Hi, I'm Cecile Dokinge, and you're listening to Talking Blues. I'm sitting here with Cecile Dukenge. 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 It's a do. It's a do, like okay. do a deer. Yeah. What kind of name is that? So it's originally from Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Um, my, it's uh, well, when my pop uh, crossed uh, into France, because both my parents were born in Cameroon, um, the French didn't understand um, how he was saying his name, so um, he gave his middle name and his last name as to, to differentiate him from his brothers, and that's the way you present yourself, right? right. So they understood that it was um, his name, so they hyphenated it. So Dokenge is actually a, um, a created name by the French authorities who didn't understand that my pop was giving them his middle name and last name. And is there a meaning to that name? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make one up? <laughs> sure. Uh, King, there you go. <laughs> So Big king, strong king. <laughs> he went to France and then so, moved to the U.S.? Is that um, yep. So both my parents went to study in France, and they started their, their uh, family there. And then um, so they spent, what, like 30 years, 30-odd years in France before uh, moving to, to New York. And then they, they had me, and uh, I was there for, for most of, yeah, for, for quite a while before coming up to, to Montreal. So tell me about growing up in New York. Was this New York City? New York um, City, or, yeah. yeah. So I grew up Upper East Side. Like, uh, honestly, I, I had a blast. I, I, I was lucky to, to, to live New York, uh, a safe New York. Mm-hmm. So um, that made a huge difference too, right? Because I didn't have to struggle. I didn't have to hustle. Um, the, the good side of the city was offered to me as a kid, which is priceless, right? Because it just opens your... Your, your eyes to, to the potential that that's yours to take. So I feel very, very blessed for that because uh, I had access to the, to the culture, had access to, to, to the park, had access to, to just everything because you get everything like from the world, right, mm-hmm. that, that converges in New York. And you have the CD side too. And people don't care. People let you be who you are and don't even think twice about looking at you in right. New York, right? So you can just be who you're meant to be or who you want to be and it's all good like you, you, no judgment right. right so so having that as an example as a kid right um, as much as um, um, my parents were very open-minded but they still had the, the traditional African side to them um, so there, there was this this like dance right between New York and and that freedom and that you know you're, you're, you're pushed to be who you your, your full your maximum potential and then you have this reserve right of um, you know that came from from colonial Cameroon so you still had this like needing to prove that you were an equal right uh, so you had this like fun mix um, that I grew up with that, that, that just opened up so many different um, portals like culturally so the French side as well, because I was I was schooled in French. Mm-hmm. So it was like France meets New York, uh, meets the rest of the states, meets Cameroon, meets what the hell do I do with all this information? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just being bombarded with with uh, just artists and and ways of life from everywhere. So it, you, I think all of us who who grew up there just have this cocktail of of. Um, 
infinite possibilities yeah. that are open to you. I mean, there's know? something you said about being exposed yeah. to as many different things as possible. Yeah. When did music come into your life? How did music come into your life? Um, music's been a part of it for as long as I can remember. Um, everyone in my family is a music lover. Um, most of us play some form of instrument. My pop was a, a huge jazz buff, so he always had um, like mostly bop and post-bop playing all the time when he was around. Um, my mom was more of a classical buff, so there was always classical playing when she was around. And then my, all my siblings. I'm the last of eight kids, so everything from classic rock to soul to blues to, to African music to South American music to... Asian music as well that my pop would bring back from his trips and just just like music was there all the time uh, to listen to so so like from my mom's womb I was listening to music I was exposed to it and as a kid I just gravitate towards whatever instruments were around and did, was there anything that I mean if you had that kind of exposure early on did you gravitate towards one more so than the other or was it all just a collective thing it, called to music it was just music okay like there was no um, no boxes really, right? Because it it was just it moved you. You listened to it. You danced to it. You you shared it. Whatever it was, right? So to, it's yeah, just this this continuum. This this it's not even a line. It's just everything just flows, right? And and you hear also what influences what when you get exposed to that much music and. Mm -hmm. and the lines get blurry, right? So it, it's like, like where does jazz stop and blues begin, or or a soul, or rock, or whatever else? Like, there's so many like inter interweavings. So yeah, that that's how I, I hear music. Okay, to take it the other way, was there any music that didn't connect with you? Um, Some of the angry metal sometimes I found a bit <laughs> too much for a while. I was staying with my brother uh, and his roommate in, in New York, and uh, one of them, number seven, Mark. <laughs> and for a while, they'd wake up to prong. <laughs> like, whose fist is it anyway? <laughs> and at some point, though, like when you hear it every morning, right? Like, it, it sort of becomes one of those things where you either learn to love it. <laughs> Or it's gonna drive you mad. <laughs> so, so you know, like at some point, you, I guess you condition yourself to to appreciate, to, to find something to to, to appreciate. Um, when it's an angry message, I have a hard time. Okay, like that makes um, sense. Um, angry and like hateful, I should say, like that. I, I don't. Um, it doesn't matter how how pretty. You want to make it. Hate is hate. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. And usually, hate songs aren't that pretty. No. <laughs> you know. It's not soft and beautiful. So. Tell me about your guitar playing. And I presume you probably play more than your guitar. But how did the guitar playing come about? So, um, guitar was by accident, kind of, because uh, at the time I was playing piano. I was into piano, and then one day the piano disappeared. <laughs> And uh, my brother had left me his, his, uh, his acoustic guitar, my brother JC. Um, he's the one who, who, who pretty much started me as a musician. Um, what number is he? He's number five. Okay. So we he, don't want to keep score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so number five uh, went to study in, in, in France and left me his acoustic. 
uh, my first acoustic that I still have, uh, an Ibanez knockoff of uh, a Martin. And um, I was like, the hell do I do with this, man? It's like, I, I don't play guitar. It's like, I'll figure it out, buy a Beatles book, and, you know, just start playing. So I like, okay. So I grabbed a guitar, and I fell in love with a guitar the minute that I started playing it. So what do you think it was about that? Like, what, what made you connect with a guitar? You know, I think there's something about how it resonates, right? Because it's like, piano, it's one thing, and you're, you're, there's still a distance to a certain extent, right? Like, the guitar, you're, you're hugging your instrument. So, like, when you're playing, it's, it's just this, I don't know, it's, it's just like a, there's a unity there that, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, yeah, it just felt like it was an extension of me. And how did you become accomplished at it? Because you're quite a player. Thanks. And it's not just you can play chords, but you know your leads and, and of different styles. A lot of hours. A lot of hours spent in the bathroom because nobody wanted to hear me practice. <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, when you like something, right, you, you just can't get enough. Mm-hmm. And so you, 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 and it was just an instrument that I wanted to get really good at and understand and just be able to, to express myself on without thinking about it. So I have to ask, when you started playing the guitar and you're exposed to all sorts of music, Mm-hmm. Which direction did you go with the guitar? Was it classical? Was it rock? Was it folk? Well, first, first, um, I, my brother, JC number five, he was, he still is, um, uh, my favorite guitarist. Okay. You know, and so I wanted to play like him. He was one of, one of the first players, lead players I wanted to, to, to get under my skin. Um, but he steered me towards Freddie King and T-Bone Walker. He gave me two tapes and he was like, learn these. Like just, if you learn them inside out, you will be set for life. And so I sat down and Hideaway, like how it kicked my ass however many times, however long before I I could nail it and, and, uh, you know, T-Bone Shuffle, all of that. Like that, that was... That was my, my, my playground, right? Once uh, once I wanted, I started playing lead. And from there, then Gate Mouth Brown, and then the Robert Craze, and and the, the, the Magic Sams, and the, all, all of that, right? So everybody you mentioned is, other than Gate Mouth, who is way more than just blues, but it was down the blues path. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, as, a, as for, for lead. But then there was also West Montgomery that I was checking mm-hmm. out, and Schofield and Benson, and then the African guys, the Vasanginis, and the even Jux, and, uh, you know, and just Jimmy Mbais, and, and just so, so many players, right? Because uh, I love rhythm. Like, so it does, and, and then, you know, all, all the soul cats as well, right? Uh, whether you're, you're thinking of Curtis or, or Al McKay or, or any, any of those guys, and, and um, just, so many rhythms, so many ways of expressing uh, sound, uh, harmony, um, phrasing, like all, all of those combinations and just hearing um, folks tapping from the same source, but, you know, having different derivatives of that, you know, so it's like the fine line between where does a riff go from being African to being 
American to being Irish, you know? Right. Like, so many similarities in the playings, but it's just a different expression, right? And this uh, is and all... often it's through rhythm more learned, than... Learned through listening in the listening bathroom and, and playing, in the bathroom and playing it back so yeah. no formal musical education um not until university and wow. uh, actually when i first came up here it was to go i wanted to, to to do the music program at mcgill the conservatory okay but i came in january so i couldn't um audition so i started in literature and tried to get an audition to switch over to the conservatory and uh <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, yeah, hi, I'd like to audition for, for the program. And she's like, do you have any formal training? I go, no. She's like, so you can't get an, an audition. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, if you don't have formal training, if you never took lessons, we don't offer you an audition. I'm like, but that's insane. I, I, wanna, I don't want to be classical in this classical program. I want the jazz program. She's like, yeah. I'm like, But most of the artists that you're going to be, like, presenting, like, didn't have formal training. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, so you're saying that if Wes Montgomery walked in right now and told you, I'd like to audition for your program, you would say no, because you have no formal training. She's like, yes. I was like, okay, Concordia, <laughs> let's transfer. <laughs> and so I applied for an audition. Uh, I asked for an audition to Concordia, and I got in, and then that, that's where I did my program. But I found it insane that... Um, they would not even be willing to hear what I had to offer simply because there was no formal training behind it. Like that to me is insane. Cause it's like, well, you didn't ask me if I bought Berkeley books and, and learned to read on my own or like nothing as far as, well, what, what is your training? You know, like right. what, what is your experience of music? Like what kind of musician would you like us to help you become? Like none of that. It was just, you know, what you're not, you're not, you don't fit the mold that we use as a reference, we're not interested. And I found that so um, disappointing and, and um, disheartening because it's like, well, what kind of musician exactly are you looking for? You know, because like, what does that say in terms of like what you want to bring to music? Mm -hmm. You know, because there's a certain freedom, you know, and especially if, if you're like selling a jazz program, it, it's all about freedom. So how can you like try to, to like put a noose around musicians neck from the get go when you're supposed to help us like get to, 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 to express you know, you know what we have to offer like our gift to, to the maximum like it, it, it to me it was just insane. So now you're motivated to do so well that they will just give you like a pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know sort of like fuck you. <laughs> But that being said, though, like, uh, like some great musicians came out of that program and, and, and come out of that program. And even like my drummer, Anthony, who I think is like one of the most beautiful players I've, I've heard in a, in a long time, you know, and I've been fortunate to play with some, some pretty badass killers. Um, he's coming from McGill. Mm -hmm. and, and his... You don't have to suck up, by the way. <laughs> we know how you feel about it. And he is a great drummer. Yeah, you know, and, and he, he, he exemplifies freedom to me. You know, and somebody who loves doing what he does, because like the smile and the, you know, the the, the mischief um, in his playing and his, and his intent is is beautiful to to dance with. 
you know, like for we, sure. we have a blast, definitely. That's quite apparent. I want to get to that. But before we do, <laughs> at that point when you went to school, um, so you went to Montreal mainly because of music. That was the sole reason behind uh, Montreal? Officially, it, it was for, for studies. Um, music was actually not an option in, for me as a um, family-wise. Because I happened to be a, a, a good student, I had, you know, great grades, and my my you know my parents were part of the generation that, that fought for independence mm-hmm. and for the right of, of Cameroonians to, to have access to, to well-paying jobs and education and 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 the opportunities that um, when they were growing up were only for Europeans, right? So they fought hard and and to, to make sure that all of us had um, those tools. Um, to, to be able to walk in the world. So for them, the idea of, wait a minute, you've got what kind of GPA? And, and, and you want to do what? You, you want to, no, you can't be a musician. Keep that for your, you, you, can, you can do that on your downtime. You need to decompress, you know, grab your guitar, whatever, sure. But, you know, like you can be a doctor. You know, you can be, you can be whatever you want to be in the world. Why the hell would you want to be like a struggling musician? Like what's the matter with you, kid? <laughs> Was your brother so, a musician? Uh, my brother JC, yeah, but you know he he fought he fought for it and and he was estranged for a while because um, my you know it was one of those you know wow. I will disown you to a certain extent if you if you do this. So you know this, you know this going in. Yeah, and so we had found a cr- compromise when my folks where if I could find a way of doing a double double major, they'd be fine with that. They just wanted to make sure that I kept going, you know, and and I get it. But at some point, I was like, you know what? This is killing me. Like, I am I'm crying every day because I'm trying to be something that I'm not. So you can disown me if you want, but I need to do this for me. So you were that committed? Yeah. And, and, and so in your mind, when you, without officially telling people, in the back of your mind, were you thinking, I want to grow up and be a musician? <laughs> uh, to me, it was just... I am a musician. It's just I want to be able to do this full time, you know. Um, and I think that that that's the thing. Like some of us are just musicians, and then we choose whether to do it professionally or not. You know, I think that's the the true choice. It's whether you're willing to 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 gamble, but did to, you know, to live it fully all in, the time. In your mind, did you know what that actually could mean to be a full time musician and? And what price one <laughs> pays to be a full-time musician? Um, <laughs> uh, yes and no. I think um, I think it's there's a difference between how you think it might be from what you see mm-hmm. um, footage, and then what it is when you're in the trenches. And so, I had an idea of of of. of um, what I wanted it to be and what it was in reality was very different. <laughs> so my question was, how did that work out? <laughs> you know, but I, but I was lucky though because I, I fell on some, some older cats who took me under their wing. So um, for that it was great. I didn't think it would be as sexist as, uh, as it was and still is. Because mm. um, 
I just assume if you're a good player, you're a good player, and people will want to play with you and hire you, and it's all good, and it's about the playing, you know? And I think a lot of us, we make that mistake of just thinking that it's all about music, which is not. Right. It's also about the hang. It's about what you bring to the gig. It's about all of that, right? And so as much as um, I knew that the playing... I, I was sure that I could take on anybody in town, you know, like coming in, I had that, that scrapper mentality. I wasn't expecting the, you're a chick, you're not getting the gig. Hmm. Or the, you know, people just giving you shit because you're a woman. How did that you make know? you feel? Well, I'm a scrapper, right? So it's like, oh yeah, you don't like this, really? Oh! <laughs> How's that? Are you still gonna fight me? Okay, we'll keep going. You know, it's like I will play my ass off until you go okay. You know, until you can't deny it. And it's like I know what I'm worth. You know, you want to fight me? We'll go. I'll last the twelve rounds. I'll I'll pull an alley on your ass and take it to the body until you get tired, and then I'll finish you. Yeah, you know, I I have no issues going down swinging. I will go down swinging. But I was, what I was gonna say was that could have worked. That could work different ways. I mean, you could have been discouraged and then put off by that. Like, not you, but somebody else yeah. might have just said, I, I can't deal with this. How did you know that you could deal with this? How did you know that you, you could overcome? Um, you know, I think that um, coming out definitely gave me a strength I didn't know I had. Um, that changed how much... Um, how much I knew that I could take a punch and how much um, I'm willing to fight if I know that something's right for me. So I don't mind eating shit. I know I can eat a lot of shit. I know that I can heal from some pretty badass whoopings, you know? And once you live that, once you know that, that you've got what it takes to survive, then you can do whatever the fuck you want, you know? I have to ask because you brought it up, but we don't have to talk about it if you don't yeah. want to talk about it. But when coming out was how difficult was that? It was it was hard as hell, you know. It, it, I came out twenty um, something years ago, so I was late. I was I was nineteen when I came out, nineteen twenty when I came out, and um, um, I was estranged from my family for many years. My parents, because um, for for them it, it was. A Western disease, right? Like mm -hmm. it didn't exist supposedly in, in um, Cameroonian ways or African ways, and you still hear it now. People will tell you that it doesn't exist, right? Even though you've got like queers up the ass everywhere. Um, sorry, pardon my. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something, but I thought it wasn't That's good. Exactly. Sorry, uh, I'll try to, 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 to mind my language. <laughs> I think it's blue rage. It's just phrasing. It's not the language. <laughs> so tell me. So, so yeah, so, so you know, for, for a while, it, it, like, my mom had a hard time dealing. She came around, and she was at my, my wedding and whatnot and, and did the progress. But at the time, it was, it was painful because all of a sudden, the, your go-to comfort zone is gone, right? Like the arms that you run to when something's... Mm -hmm. bugging you or, or to, to protect you from the world um, you need protecting from but I, I wonder so, so that that you learn to to, to, to see who um, you learn to rely on yourself you you learn to 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 cultivate um, the goodness in you and and um, the high road because you realize that 
the sucker punch can come from anywhere, you know. And the ones from the, the people closest to you are the ones that take the longest to heal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that definitely, um, that, that changed my, my position in the world for sure. When did you realize that you were gay? Um, <clears throat> fuck, I must have been like three. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I actually used to have crushes on my mom's friends. And I used to play this game where I'd run under the table and, and like caress their, their bellies kind of thing. You know, so that, that, that to me was pretty much a sign that I was attracted to. <laughs> <laughs> so at three, and so growing up, you thought, I'm different, or this is something yeah, I can't... Yeah, but it wasn't, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't something that was uh, embraced or encouraged, right? So that's something that I kept for myself. Right. And, and you know, at, at some point, you can only live a lie so long, right, before it starts to eat you from the inside. And so for me, it was, it was, it was killing me. Like it, it was to the point where I couldn't be true to myself. I couldn't be happy unless I actually like admitted, um, like honestly admitted to myself, right? Because until you, you truly live it um, right. for yourself, you can, you can know it in the back of your mind or whatever else, but until you live it, until you can actually be like, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is this is how I am in the world. You know, take it or leave it. Or for, for you, not even anybody else, but just for you. To be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, yeah, this is who you are and it's all good. You know, and let's go take on the world. You know? But, you know, you just think, you now have, in, in the 20 minutes of something we've been talking, you've told me that being a musician was a threat to you being you staying in the family yeah. and, and being gay would have been the same. Like you had two things working against you, which would, which you obviously felt very strongly about who it was, who you were. Mm. And then both of them kind of had the potential of getting you separated from your, the people that you love or your family, Yeah, which is pretty heavy. But what's cool too, though, is, is that, we were raised to believe that we could be anything that we wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So that that that's it. It was a neat paradox too, and and it it was neat to see how my folks struggled with that as well, right? Because um, you're raised to to maximize, you know, to 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 to, to exploit the gift that God gave you, mm -hmm. and to to truly like be um, the best you that you can be. So that's how you're raised. That that's what they push you towards, but this, it can go against their beliefs. And I have to give it to to, to, to my folks and thank them. You know, I, I didn't uh, properly get to thank them um, both before they left us um, for actually having the openness of mind to be like, you know what, you've got this gift. You've got this honesty that we embraced and that we um, um, nailed. Sorry, I'm tired. So the two languages, sometimes they start like uh, um, doing this funky Elaine dance in my brain. In, in, <laughs> in your brain. <laughs> in your brain. Are you, do you think English uh, or French? Both. All like the they, they, they constantly okay. like they, they play ping pong. So depending on, on um, how um, alert I am uh, or in shape, uh, one takes on the other 
uh, or they just decide to mess with me and, and just come out at the same time. <laughs> so it's like last week uh, I was trying to say uh, degrading, but I was tired, and so the French took over, uh, and it came out degradate. <laughs> You know, so those kind of things where all of a sudden you're like, that's not a word, but it should be. It kind of, I think it is. No, it's not. It's <laughs> no, no. It's both of them just messing with you. It's but basically, good. in the end. But yeah, so so you. so so yeah, so they they they, they had a uh, you know I think. I honestly think they dug seeing the, the underdog in me, fight, to to be, uh, who I am, mm-hmm. and I think that um, that. Um, seeing my commitment, seeing my my uh, um, just my my steadfast belief in myself, um, convinced them that it was the right thing for me. So when you decided that you would like to play music for a living, mm-hmm. what did you have in mind? What did you think you were going to do? Yeah, you know, I I thought that I was just gonna hook up with some amazing players, and we were just gonna just play and get paid and have fun whichever way I don't know it was kind of weird because I, I I just wanted to be a guitarist so to me more it, so than a songwriter performer like a um, lead singer singing came later singer okay. singing came because I was tired of, of waiting on singers <laughs> I, I, I was tired of, of you know some some somebody in up front, you know, deciding on a on a whim that, that their ego was over a project, you know, and so you you spend years building something, and then because they don't want to sing anymore, or because they want to want it to be their way, then all of a sudden it torpedoes, um, you know, a a joint effort, a joint venture. It's like, wait a minute, how does this happen? It's like, but I'm I'm composing, I'm part of this too, and you're just saying screw it. You know, and you've got that power to just destroy what we've built. So it's like, you know what? Screw you. It's like, I might suck for a while, but at some point I'm going to get good and I'm not going to wait on anybody else to do what I want to do. So screw it, you know? So um, I'm still, it's still very much a work in progress, you know? Uh, I've got 15, a good 15 years to catch, for the voice to catch up to the guitar playing. Um, but is this, you know, now you you have this trio. I presume you might play in different formations, but this is, trio is the band. Yeah, I love trio, yeah. Three so is, is that number. what you think was what you had hoped to get to at one point or another? Was that always the goal, to be... Band leader? Yeah. I don't know. I'm a team player. You know, I, I, don't, I don't believe in the, you know, hi, my name is Maceo, behind me is the rest of the band right. kind of thing, right? It's, it's uh, to me, it's we're a unit you know it's um it doesn't matter whose name is on the marquee um if there are more than one person on a stage it's a team effort and the shows that i've that that have uh, moved me most have been the shows where you feel like you're watching the team not that you feel like you're watching somebody's name and then the support cast i think too um when when you start off as a hired gun before fronting mm-hmm. you know what the work is you know what it is to to, to, to to be part of the support cast quote unquote that makes a show good you know and you also see 
like the work that the front person does to make a show good but one without the other is a shit show you know whichever way you you look at it really because you can you can be the best front in the world if your backing band sucks it's gonna suck <laughs> you know and you can have the you can be the the, the a killer band but if there's no love that you're sending to a to your crowd you know at some point your crowd is gonna go screw you how long did it take for you to get comfortable being that front person because that's a totally different am i comfortable (laughs) (laughs) you're comfortable i don't know you know it's it's um um my ex-wife actually helped me a lot for that because because she um so I'm, I'm I'm an introvert, at the at the core. Believe that's it or what, not, that's what I read. <laughs> but but it took it took a while to be to find to figure out and, and that I thank I thank her for that. Um, she she gave me the best piece of advice. She was like, you don't have to share anything you're not comfortable sharing, with your crowd. You don't have to be somebody other than you, when you're fronting. So it's up to you to decide what it is you want to share. So when you're with people that you trust or that you feel comfortable with, you're funny. So if you want to, you know, if you want it to be your sense of humor that you share, go with that. If it's that you want to, you know, you know, talk about issues that that mean something to you, you can do that. If you don't want to talk at all, you don't have to. You can you can so as long as it's true, like decide what part of you you want to share with the world and bring that to the stage and your fronting will be fine. So are you comfortable with who you bring to the front of the stage as you yeah, did last night? Well, to, to, what you see is what you get. You know, I, I won't talk to you about my, my most intimate thoughts necessarily, but I will talk to you about sex and about, you know, how fucked up the world is right now and, and you know, about how cougars drool over my rhythm section. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're, uh, at the end of the day, you know, I want everybody to walk away feeling good, you know, and also walk away with food for thought somewhere, you know, because ultimately, like what we do, it's 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 to soothe, but it's also to, to help things move. Like, I honestly believe that that the arts um, are a catalyst for the changes that we want to see. And I'm, I'm not sure that many of the, the liberation movements we have we have witnessed uh, would have happened without music in modern mm-hmm. times or art or some form of, of art so that's something that I believe in and whether it's I do it through song or whether I do it through um, interacting with my audience at some point that's a part of me that I want to share fronting but I also want us to remember that you know life can be fun and light and that we're here to have a good time even though we don't know know each other necessarily from adam or eve it doesn't mean that we can't have something positive that we share together even as strangers sitting next to one another at tables or dancing together or listening or whatever else whichever way we are spending a moment connected to the same source but as a shy person it must be difficult to get up there and all of a sudden command the attention that you do as a front man front person sorry <laughs> it's all good <laughs> i'm so confused <laughs> well uh do you know what i mean okay i i totally relate to the shy thing and you know if you if you say you're shy i'm gonna have to believe you but <laughs> but, but it must be a little difficult sometimes if you're naturally shy to go up there and do what you do 
It is, but that's where the scrapper takes over, you know, because uh, part of me too has a, a bit of a, uh, I will get my way. Maybe it's because I'm the last of eight kids. So you have, even the, the stage setup is yes. unusual in that it's all linear. The drummer is not at the back. He's at the side. Was it just the size of the stage yesterday? But no, I mean, that's that's a, we we usually do a um, a triangle as much as possible because okay. the idea is also that we want to be able to make eye contact at any right. given time, right? So the the way it's set up is um, um, the drums, the drummer faces the bassist, um, who kind of they both kind of face in so that we can see each other at any point. So I'm I'm in the middle, but I'm back, right? So the front line is actually the rhythm section, and then it doesn't. And part of it is also um, to to get back to what we were, what I was saying earlier about the team effort, right? Because right. more often than not, you'll have whoever's name, if it's a, a solo performer, up front, and then you've got the rest of the band, like you know, in in the nosebleed section, as opposed to well okay, this is, we're cooking something together, right? So we're, we're going to simmer this energy, like the three-way energy at the front of the stage. And then that energy you can just dip into from the audience, right? So it's, it's very much, um, instead of having whatever's going on behind the front person, it's happening in front. So it's about the communion that you have on stage and with the audience, right? So it becomes a full circle. Which is very apparent and not, I mean, last night was the first time I saw the band. The The thing that struck me was how much fun you seem to have. And it almost seems like, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen a band smile to one another as I did last night when I saw you guys smiling to one another throughout most of the set. Um, which I don't. It almost seemed like you guys had this little secret. Like somebody said, "Hey, we won ten thousand dollars, <laughs> or something, or we won an award. Let's not tell anybody, but let's go up and play and have fun." Is that you what? know what it is? Is is uh, we've crossed the country in a jeep uh, four or five times in the last year and a half. So that's a lot of hours that you spend in a jeep with two people you know with a, and we're talking like merch for for the tours uh backline instruments pack sacks so the jeep is full <laughs> there is no it's hiding cozy. space so you need to learn how to live together and travel together and laugh together uh to make that work um and i think really what what um what definitely sealed the deal for the trio was the winter tour this year, uh, um, the January February tour, because we we pretty much like went to hell and back. Um, um, Valentine's weekend when we got, uh, I found out that my my mom passed, and the next day we we realized that our our gear got stolen, so it was just this like, you know, like joint violate feeling violated, right? Mm-hmm. Like three ways, and then. They had to, to pretty much pick me up with a with a spoon, right? And and just living that intense uh, kind of experience, you know, and that far away, and, and just you know realizing that okay, well, 
we are the unit we are that's it this is what you get right so it's like all of a sudden you just become like this like super team and the way we dealt was just laughing because if not you're gonna lose your mind right so we just learned to find the humor in the worst situations and so what you see is is we actually like really love each other's company and we love doing what we do and we bring out the best in each other doing it so that's what you're seeing on stage it's no secret it's just three people like fortunate enough to to share what they love together and and have a blast doing it and you know like sharing that with a with an audience and and that's quite apparent it almost seems like you guys are trying to not outdo each other or not out trick each other, but there are moments. I mean, there's a lot of interaction between you and the drummer, and you yeah. go into your solo, and he's ba- basically playing off of your playing. Yeah. But it almost seems like you're trying to p- set him off or something, trick him. Well, we definitely, something. yeah, we, we, we like, uh, we like uh, challenging each other. Mm-hmm. That's definitely part of it. Uh, and we also like taking a piss at each other. <laughs> You know, like like that that that's what's that that's part of uh, one of the things I love in music is hearing somebody's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's what we bring out too. And sometimes we try to lose Pierre, you know, by by messing with time and seeing if he's actually gonna, you know, <laughs> keep the baseline steady while we're like trying to trip him <laughs> up as much as possible. <laughs> you know, so so that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and the thing too is like like we played a, a, a lot of shows in, in a very short amount of time, right? So you also need to be able to keep that interesting and, and mm-hmm. keep that fresh and, and keep fresh ideas coming as well, right? So that's also part of the uh, um, challenging each other is seeing where we can go next with what we're working with. The other thing that I notice, because uh, like the first... You notice a lot of things. Well, <laughs> if I said, well, I, I, I watched the show, I didn't get anything out of it. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> no, but one other thing that just jumped out at me was, so uh, I don't know if it was an hour-long set or more, but for three-quarters of it, it's just this challenge and, and laughter and everybody's smiling like crazy. And then all of a sudden, you bring up six letters or you, you start to play six letters. And, mm. and then the, the, the mood changes like drastically. It turns around 90 degrees or 180 degrees to something very serious. Um, and, and, and with a serious message. How difficult is that to be up on stage loving what you do, making fun, laughing, 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 and now we're going to get to the serious part? And, and there was a noticeable difference in the show, I, and I don't know if you feel that way or you mm-hmm. felt that way, but you know, all of a sudden there was a noticeable difference in the show where all of a sudden the song and, and your monologue before the song changed the mood of the place. Yeah. Well, it's... It's kind of set up that way too, right? Because to a certain extent, you break the ice. Mm-hmm. To you know, it's it's like having here. I'll pour you a drink, and and uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get comfortable with each other, and then okay, so let's have the talk, for a second, and it's not gonna change. You know, the fact that we can have a good time together and whatever else. It's just that we need to have a talk for a second, and then we can go back to you know enjoying ourselves and and being silly or or whatever else and it doesn't have to be um scary necessarily right so so that's the thing too it's it's finding that balance where it's once you establish that we're here to have a good time then we can be serious 
and that doesn't change the fact that we're still having a good time. Right. And so that that that's kind of the the way I try to set up six letters or um, bloodstained vodka because those those are pretty much the two um, um, heavy topic um, songs where I usually do a some form of of uh, um, intro to. Um, but um, yeah, the, the levity is great, but a, part of it is also I want to be able to have a, a, a real discussion with my audience. And I think that, that we need to be able to have those discussions as a society in general, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think a good way to do that is by um, letting everybody know that it's a safe zone before you actually address it. Has that you, ever you've worked? Got, you've got a better chance of, of having a positive response to what it is that you're trying to address. So, and, and I presume you work up to these things and you learn when you first become a, a leader of the of the band or whatever and how you present yourself on stage. Mm. But to get to the point where you were last night, I mean, did you ever try something like that and totally failed on you? Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I want to know. But I guess it has to happen, yeah, right? Like well, there, it can't there, be perfect all yeah, the time. Yeah, it can't be perfect all the time, and not everybody wants to hear. Um, you know, some folks just want to be entertained, right? It's like the the whole the whole react. What was it? Um, artists are meant to to make us laugh, and that's it. Isn't that what Trump answered to the the whole yeah, Hamilton yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah. You know, it's like just shut up and and entertain us. You know, and it's like yeah, we could do that, but why? <laughs> You know, well, I, I get the why, but it's like, sorry, I'm not the the the, the king's jester, you know. Like at at some point, it's like it's my show. I choose whether I want to make you laugh or whether I want to talk about something. And I'm assuming that if you've taken a, a second to hear what I do, then you know that that's the package deal, right. right? That you have the the Moss Kitchen ass whooping, and then you've got the you know black asses getting shot. Yeah. You know that that that's that's the cocktail. And it doesn't mean that it needs to be threatening or that it needs to be aggressive or anything. It's just that's the reality. You know, you can you can love black asses and then, you know, they're getting shot down as well. And let's talk about it, you know, or let's remember that, you know, and see how we can keep that from happening next time around, you know. So we're now in the second phase of your trilogy, anybody listening. Mm-hmm. So when you first decided to do trilogy number one, the, the monologues, mm-hmm. You must have said, this is going to be a trilogy, so for the next three years, this is the plan? Is that? No, um, I'm not that organized, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, so- it sounds like it. <laughs> but when you released Monologues, was but, that, but you knew the, it was a trilogy, the first of the trilogy? Um, Did we not know that, or do we know that now? At this point, we don't know. We know that now. <laughs> but but I, I knew that I wanted, I, I wanted to see how tunes changed, and... and the, the, one of the seeds to the trilogy was um, good friends who who um, who saw who've seen my my evolution, right? Because I started off like as far as a singer songwriter goes, I started off on acoustic playing in bars in Montreal, right? Like right. Grumpies and and Brutopia more specifically, and so um, a lot of folks got to know me as a solo performer, and the energy. Um, of the solo show is different from the trio as well, right? It has to be just by by the the orchestration, and so 
I've pretty much been touring the trio though for the last, or a trio, for the last five years. And so some folks were going, you know, we kind of miss the, you know, the solo show sometimes. Like the trio is great and it's a whole other uh, beast, but you know, we kind of miss the the more intimate you with a guitar. And, and I was like, okay, well, how do the tunes change? You know, between when I play them alone versus uh, with a rhythm section. And then it's like, well, how do the tunes change between when I play them for myself or when I play them for an audience, you know, or when we're just jamming, having fun, you know? So, so then it's become, okay, so this is an exercise in style. And what are the different colors that I go um, seek in, in the tunes, right? So it's like, for example, um, um, alone I might decide to throw in more rhythm, um, more the more percussive side of my playing. Um, to be able to fill that space. Whereas if I know that there's a rhythm section or, or other singers or whatever else, then the space is getting filled by their presence, right? So then it changes how I'll approach a song um, um, comping. Mm-hmm. So all these different um, aspects. And well, when I'm alone with a guitar, I don't necessarily need to, to project as much as when I'm trying to sing over top Bam Bam. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so so all these different things. So so it and it's neat to see the the different life that that tunes can can take, and definitely live, um, it's a whole other energy than than whether I'm I'm recording it in the studio alone or or with a, a rhythm section. Like there's still something about the studio that kind of puts you in this um, um, different headspace. Mm-hmm. Whereas live, we go for gold. You know, we we just it's like um, ça passe ou ça casse, as they say in French. You know, it's a make it make or break, right? So but you're pretty well committed to the third phase. Oh, being absolutely. The live yeah, thing, the live right? thing. Yeah, okay. because um, like you've you've heard the album, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've seen the show. You saw the show last night. You tell me. Do you Quite notice different. a difference? Yes. There you go. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to capture with a uh, with the third chapter. It's like that extra bit. That having an audience brings to the tunes and to which to which makes do. total sense, but you know, reading through at phase two, I'm thinking, wow, she must have had this three year plan. Well, <laughs> I knew I knew that that it was going to take a few years. Right. Like it was definitely something that 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 was a three to five year plan. Let's say that's impressive. Yeah, because most musicians don't have that plan. Well, it's when do we get the next gig? It's you know how I was saying I'm not organized. That that was an effort to be organized. <laughs> An attempt. <laughs> well, it looks really good from this side. Like, uh, you know, I'm well, it, it, you know what? It, it tastes really good from this side. You know, that's for sure. And and each phase has been something I've looked forward to. So that's fun yeah, to to have a project because sometimes you you start and then you're like, oh yeah, what was I thinking? You know? Yeah. But or it changes. One, yeah. But this one, it, it, every the, the more it evolves, the the more thrilled I am and and. Now it's just figuring out the, the logistics of, of part three. That, that's, so that's you haven't started the, the recording process yet? Well, there have been some recordings. It's just a matter of whether they're going to make it to, to the final cut or not, or if it's just going to be one show or one space. Personally, I, I like the idea of, of multiple energies being documented mm-hmm. because uh, crowds are just, you know, we, we have different ways of expressing ourselves, right? Different cities, different crowds even scenes or whatever else don't necessarily express their 
um, how they feel your music the same way. Uh, which is funny too, coming from Montreal, because uh, Montrealers tend to be a lot like pretty vocal or demonstrative mm-hmm. in their appreciation. And some places in the country, you get the feeling that they're, they're you know, pitchforks waiting for you <laughs> at the end of the show. But then people are like, wow, that was great, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, why didn't you show me when I was sweating up on stage? <laughs> so beyond and that, so, is there yeah. a bigger plan? Like after the phase three mm-hmm. happens, then the communion. Is it communion? Communion, yeah. yeah. So after that, you would do that. Do you have a bigger picture or do you have an idea that says, okay, you know, after this, we don't, we should try this. Jesus, you're starting to sound like my mother. (laughs) (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then what you got? (laughs) Just let me enjoy the process for now. (laughs) We'll worry about that later. I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, well, there, there there are a few things I'd like to do. There's a, there's an instrumental album that I'd like to, to work on at some point um, as a tribute to, to my parents. Um, I think there, there are emotions that I just can't write. Um, so hopefully they'll come out um, instrumentally um, and that the music can, can translate the feelings more accurately than, than words could. Um, so that's that's something in the, that I'm that I've got as a focus at some point after the trilogy, or maybe even before chapter three. Who knows? You know. Um, Geographically, I know you've covered Canada greatly. Have you gotten into the states? Uh, not yet. Europe. Uh, Europe a little bit. Um, more so when I was pushing the French album, than um, well, actually the first the first album, Freedom Calling, as well. We we toured a little bit in Europe in um, Belgium and uh, a little bit the Netherlands, France, but um, no significant um, touring, mm-hmm. really. So that we're working on. That That's a market that uh, um, we're, we're looking to break into. With uh, I just started working with uh, uh, Dollar Tone, Shauna Cooper, so that's uh, part of the game plan. And States, the first time will be uh, February. I'm going down for a Folk Alliance, so that'll be... Uh, Oddly enough, my first time performing in the States since I was a teenager. So that's. Uh, are you an American citizen? Uh, you are, right? Or uh, it's a long story. Oh. <laughs> and we shouldn't reveal it. But, then. but born and raised, but it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe in the future we could yeah, talk yeah, about we'll, it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it over scotches or something. <laughs> well, you know what? It's been a thrill. It's great meeting you. Like yeah, likewise. Watching you last night was really impressive. And um, I'm, I'm thrilled to have a chance to get to know you a little bit. And perhaps we can do this again. I'd love that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.